encouraged, not burdened by the history that they create. They know what is expected of them. They are Manchester United. by Nathan Heinschel and Polly Questel. Uh, Man United falling 2-1 uh, against the Noisy Neighbors in the FA Cup final. A disappointing game uh, and a disappointing note to end the season on as well. But um, guys, how are we feeling the, the Monday after now that we've had two days to kind of, you know, soak it in? Go Inter Milan. Always been an Inter Milan supporter. Forza Inter. Yes. Dude, uh, the whole world is with you. The whole world. Boyhood club. You. Yeah, I mean, do do we think that Inter has a better chance of beating City than we did? No. No. I think you could argue that Inter maybe has better attackers than we do. Yeah, I think you can. I think. And also, they have Nico Barella, who you know. Yeah, I don't. He's going to be fighting you can make by a lot himself. Of arguments. You make a lot of arguments on between Inter and United and all that stuff. I think it just comes down to City. And I think they're they're locked in at the moment. They've um you know, they've they've dropped points in like one competitive game in their last how many? If you don't count the two games they played after they were already champions. They see and it, they just seem like they have the plan to 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 go about it, um, they kept themselves in check. There was there was the question coming into this match of will City put out like their one hundred percent full strength squad in this uh, side in this game, or will they you know have keep some players on the bench looking for for uh, at the Inter match in a week, which is not too dissimilar from nineteen ninety nine when United put out drastically different teams against Newcastle and against Bayern Munich. And the common denominator in between those both two teams is they have the squad depth ready to play that, to do that. You can look at either of those teams and be like, yeah, that's a, it's a first choice team right now. Um, but they went out and they, they put out what I would say would be their strongest side. And, and they didn't seem to have to get out of second gear to really make sure that they, that they won. So it, was, it didn't look like United tired them out. And for whatever, I, I did think um, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about that question. And I was like, I do think it's a silly question because I think Pep will put out his strongest side for each of those games. But the way he looks at Manchester United and Inter Milan is he may view his strongest side for each of those games as two different teams. Um, maybe seven, eight, nine overlaps in terms of the players, but he may say in one game, you're my exposition and in another game, something like, you know, Phil Foden's going to play in one of these games or, or whatnot. I just think they're too strong right now. Yeah. I think we got pretty much the team that beat Real Madrid for nil. Um, the, definitely the way that they lined up expecting to have the ball and expecting to, you know, have their, get the ball into Erling Holland players in position. Um, what I didn't expect was that, Ilkay Gundogan was going to unleash a Galazzo within 20 seconds of the match starting. And I think that maybe that exacerbated how unprepared United looked uh, for the next 10 minutes or so, because it took them forever to get any sense of, you know, standing in, in the game itself. But for that to happen within the first minute, that takes more than just this team is much better than you. That, I mean, De Gea st- stood still watching that goal go in, but within 13 seconds. You need to at least dive if you're double day. I don't think he saves it. I no, was I mean, it was too well shot, hit. But, but you need to at least dive and give off the... Because he started moving on it, and then he stopped. And just dive. Yeah. It was a set well, play, that- though. Like, that was the whole thing. Is is They went on the kickoff directly back to Ederson who just held the ball until everybody Ortega. got in position or Ortega and he held the ball until everybody got in position then it was one big kick to Holland wins the initial header Lindelof gets the next header right to 
Gundawan. So like, yeah, you don't you don't design a set piece based on uh hopefully the ball hit, falls to Ilkai Gundawan 24 yards out and he hits a a, a stunner. But it was a, it, they started the game off a set play and just boom, one nothing. It worked. It, yeah, it's I hard mean, to a, draw that up. That's the worst way that you could start that because I mean we went into this game talking about hey, this is how dangerous City is. We have the blueprint if we want to beat City. And, I mean, that that goal happened so early. Imagine you go go into a game basically spotting Manchester City a goal and say, we're going to start the game 1-0 down and play 90 minutes. Like, there is not a team in this world right now that's going to beat that team when you spot them a goal in the first 13 seconds. Yeah, and it goes to show you how different the, the teams were because – it, when it when push came to the shove, they scored their first goal set play, like we just said. Their second goal set piece. So United successfully muddied the game up a bit to the point where, like you know, maybe if they pull that off successfully, you get your your nil nil and take it to penalties unless something happens. And something did happen. They were given a gift of a penalty, um, and they they capitalized on that. But then. That that comes, you know, the last fifteen right at right off the penalty. City like got another chance right away uh, off the restart, and then right to start the second half, they get they get that goal, and the the rest of the second half just death by a thousand cuts. And this is what we we talked about last week was probably the worst outcome of the match was a situation where it's it's a one goal game, and you just watch it being like we're in this. All it takes is one moment, one little moment of magic, but we're never, we were never really in city, city were in control. Like that moment came in the 91st minute after 40 minutes of being like, oh, we're in this maybe. Yeah. Garnacho and Rashford, I think came close with a couple, like why not shots from just like the edge of the box or to the side of the box. But that's got the why not shot is not knocking on the door. Yeah. The the XG from that Scott McTominay chance put United at like 1.87 and Cities was only 1.21, but I think that excludes the one the third goal that Gundogan scored that was ruled out for offside. Well, he was offside. Yeah, like that that goal deserves to be excluded. Also, 0.79 of that comes from the penalty. So it it wasn't that City created a lot, but City spent most of the game not trying to create. They they got that one. They they went up one nil, and then they spent like the next. 10, 15, 20 minutes being like, let's see if we can turn this into a blowout. And they didn't. And they sat back after that and went, all right, fine. We'll just, we'll, we'll, there were several scenarios or instances where like they just stood on the ball and were like, how are you going to defend us? Let's wait and see. And then we'll just pass it right by you. And Ilkay Gundogan just ran the entire show. Yeah. I think the most important attribute that City possessed on uh, during that game was just, control like at, at no point were they out of control of the game like if united found that second equalizer there's nothing about that game that didn't suggest that city wouldn't have immediately just found a third goal like it it, it almost reminded it, you know like uh when it's like in a, in a movie trope or you know storytelling trope where uh the little guy gets like the hit on the big guy and like all that for a little bit of drop of blood, you know, like, like Thanos, basically. Uh, it should have gone for the head. Like, I mean, there's no going for the head against City uh, during that game. I mean, they were just, they were going to find a third goal if we found a second. Right. Uh-oh. And I, I, I was... texted you guys during the game because it looked it looked as if United mm-hmm. were playing Erickson and Rashford sort of as the, as like dual false nines a bit. Rashford was dropping extremely deep, which is like, if you're going to play him as a striker, why is he doing that? put him on the last line of defense, let him run in behind. And it, it it looked like they were just doing that dual false nine thing that they did against City at the Etihad last year. And in that game, City went 1-0 up and then United got a counterattack and Jaden Sancho scored. And it was like, in the moment, it was like, yeah, we're in this. We've tied it up. Let's go. And City just promptly went, no, no, no. And they, they immediately scored afterwards. They immediately added the, uh, I think they immediately added the third. I don't remember when that third goal came. They, they killed our hopes pretty quickly. After yeah, that. and I, I texted you guys after the penalty. I went, this just feels like that 
that Sancho goal from last year where it's like, we think that we just tied it and we're back in it, but city are just going to be like, all right, time, time to score a second. Yeah. They were either very cruelly or very kindly playing with their food. I was texting friend of the show, Colton, uh, in a, around halftime and kind of going on into the second half. And after Gundogan scored, I was like, this game has serious 2011 vibes. Um, it, yes. It, it really felt like City were capable of getting that killer goal. And it wasn't because obviously they weren't getting as many chances from Holland inside the box as, you know, we maybe thought that they would. But they have so many players who are capable of pulling a goal, pulling off a goal like Gundogan scored. Um, and that was kind of the case with Barcelona in that second half in the 2011 game is yeah, the, both of their clinching goals from Messi and David Villa were you know, from the edge or outside of the box. And they were just like, why not? I'm just going to hit this one because, you know, they were vibing and they were controlling the game anyway. Um, it, it just, it seemed like, like, that's a good, like, it seemed like the 90s Bulls where what, you think of all those. It's like, yeah, we stole other, game five. <laughs> it's only well, not, only, not only that, but all those other heroes who hit the big shot, like John Paxson, Steve Kerr, all these things. And it's like, because eventually they were like, when push comes to shove, at the end of the game, at the end of the season, they're going to throw everybody on Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and somebody else is going to be able to uh, mm-hmm. leave them open. Like I said, I'd rather like lose. like two Heat Nuggets last night. Yeah, like I'd rather lose because someone else stepped up than because we didn't put Kevin De Bruyne in somebody's pocket. And it looked like Pep watched that game back in January and went, yeah, Fred pocketed Kevin De Bruyne and he's going to do that again. So, and they're the rest of them are going to be focused on stopping Erling Holland. So let's just, you know, make plans for everyone else to do things. And like United didn't, I mean, John stones was basically a midfielder. It, it was like, people have been bothered this year because TV networks have started to put like as, as the starting formation graphic, they've started to put cities in possession shape as as the graphic and be like, Hey, they're playing it back three. And John stones is playing in midfield, which is normally your, your starting formation is the out of possession four, four, two, four, two, three, one, four, three, three thing that you're going to do. And in possession, it's totally different anyway for every team. So it's like, just show John stones, the center back, but like he was just in midfield running things like United had no answer for John stones in midfield. They had no answer for Ilkay Gundogan. It just seemed like Pep was prepared for them to be like, right you're going to pocket Kevin De Bruyne. You're going to focus on, on Holland. That's fine. We'll plan for everybody else. It's kind of annoying to me. Uh, this is a little off topic, but like, and maybe it's just because of the people that I follow on Twitter and it's uh, the algorithm has shaped it up. But I feel like the only tweets I see are people really underappreciate what John stones has done this season where like people are still underrating John stones, the player. And I'm like, I haven't seen anyone disrespecting john stones since i guess england at the world cup because you know everyone sees john stones and harry Maguire and they go after them but i i feel like we're all on the same page right now (laughs) that john stones is a pretty good player i mean most of city's players especially in possession are capable of hurting you well it Um, took seven years it took seven years but but they spent 50 million on John stones and people were like why he can't defend and he showed up at city and he could not defend and it's like yeah they spent 50 million on John stones because of what he did yesterday, because he's always been able to do that. And that's how Pep like saw his team. He was basically like, we're going to have this. Once the machine is the way is built the way and operating the way it's supposed to, like John stones is defending is going to be an afterthought. He's not really going to have to do those, those things. And that's most of City's defenders. They don't have. That's to most of City's everything. <laughs> uh, it was funny because there was a sequence where uh, City City lost, went on the attack, and they lost the ball. And Casemiro started running out with it, and Erling Holland ran his ass off and just nicked it right back off Casemiro. And it's like, whenever people say like, "Why don't we talk about Erling Holland's pressing?" and "Why don't we talk about Erling Holland's work rate and stuff?" and it's like, yeah, because he scores all these goals, but it's because like it's still there. That's that work rate and everything is there. It's instilled in every single city player. Every player, despite, you know, we focus so much on their possession and their attacking ability, but every single one of them, it's not just 
the squad players and the role players who work hard off the ball. It's the superstars too, who all exude that effort because without that, the whole machine doesn't work. I mean, Jack Grealish was a, 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 a lot of the time against Real Madrid. It was like every time they were out of possession, he was a second left back. I mean, he was putting in the defensive work that he needed to. And more often than not, it stopped Real Madrid from getting into the box. So City are really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, breaking news. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do when you uh, financially dope your team for uh, over a decade. And have yeah. the world's best man. Well, uh, that. And have. That's. Uh, yeah. Pep Guardiola and like good recruitment and all that too, which is all, well, you know, obviously it is all connected to the financial doping. Yes and no. Yes and no. It all comes back to capitalism. <laughs> like, like they couldn't be like PSG and just throw their money away and they don't do right. that. You can't, you can't discount, you cannot throw away the 115 charges. Maybe, perhaps, maybe they'll be like, we could throw 21 of these away, but it's like, you're it's, still going to have 90 something charges. Split. Because um, they enable each other, you know, the money right. enables Pep and Pep enables they, the money. But they 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 could not have gotten to where they are without these without doing what they have allegedly been tasked with doing. When they when Pep came in, they they sold a lot. If we go back to just before Pep, so like City get taken over by Abu Dhabi and they start throwing money at anybody and everyone. And it took them five years to get there. Because a lot of the players they threw their money out were good, but not great. And then, then the fact of the matter was that every year they were like, we want to sign new players. So it was like, you signed somebody last year and now you signed a guy in his position this year. You had to clear their team out. And like during the David Moyes, Louis van Gaal era of for United, at the same time, City were going through the same issues that like United went through under van Gaal and Mourinho. They couldn't sell players because players refused to leave. So they were loaning players out, eating their salary, and then eventually they sold them. And like when Guardiola came in, they they finally got rid of a lot of players, either because their contracts ran out or because they sold them for a lot less money that than they bought them for, which you cannot do unless you can afford to just take that financial hit. But also, why do United struggle to sign to sell so many players? Is because so many of them are like, Well, I'm making all this money here. I'm not going to make that money there. I don't want to take a pay cut. In which case, you know, this is what happened to Alexis Sanchez. It's going to happen to Harry Maguire is that you work out some agreement where the club makes you whole. So the fact that City were all of a sudden able to get all these players to leave sort of tells you like they definitely like, I'm sorry, I don't want to say definitely, but these guys probably agreed to leave because some, you know, they probably weren't leaving money on the table and that money had to be somewhere, even if it wasn't reflected in city's books, which is what the charges are alleging. So you can't get to this point without cheating, but if they weren't a well-run club, like no amount of money and cheating would get them the success that they've already had. So it is hand in hand. Like, the cheating enabled them or the, the money and everything enabled them to do this, but they happen to be a phenomenally run club. And that's, that's why I like, I feel like in, in the way that they're talked about in the media, especially um, with, you know, obviously they're a great team. They play football in a very entertaining style and it's very effective and it's turned them into a club that can win five of the last six Premier League trophies. But Obviously, like like you said, with going hand in hand, that that's what sports washing does, is that it makes you forget about the other things that are a part of it. Whereas PSG, I feel like it's a little bit easier because they are so wasteful when it comes to some of their spending or their spending hinders them in other areas that are more obvious than what City does. Right. But if, if we threw away like. Obviously, I'm about to do exactly what Colin's like. This is what this is what they want you to do. If you throw away the charges and the allegations and everything, and just say, "All right, let's for argument's sake, let's say City and United are on e- are on even terms in terms of their finances, which they're not. United bring in a lot more money. City just happen to have a lot more money in their pocket. But for argument's sake, let's say that this game 
really showed the difference in these two clubs. And this is the piece that I just wrote for the Busby Babe that'll be going up shortly. In that you go, for the first time in history, um, there's a Manchester Derby in the FA Cup final, the biggest domestic stage that there is. And how does it go? The the captain of one of the teams goes out there, pulls all the strings all day, scores two goals and a 2-1 win. If that happened at Old Trafford, if that happened at United, there would be songs about Ilkay Gundogan forever. There would, you know, and every time he steps on the pitch next year, fans would be serenading him. He'd be a legend, all that stuff. Ilkay Gundogan's not going to be at Manchester City next year. Right there. That's it. And why isn't, and, and Ilkay Gundogan's not going to be at City, not because he had a falling out with Pep. Pep wants him to stay. He's going to be at City because City have said, you're 32 years old. We don't really see your role in this team going you anymore. It's time. It's time for you to leave. They have, they have been negotiating all year because he wants to stay, but City have held firm on this. And United did the same thing with Paul Pogba last year, but that was the first time they've done it in ages where they basically said, this is the role we see for you. And we're going to pay you for this role. And Ilkay Gundogan is basically arguing, being like, I just had, I've, I've, scored 60 goals in my over seven years at city. I just captained the team made 50 appearances to a team. That's probably going to win a treble pay me. And they're like, well, that's what you did. We're, we're looking at what you're going to do over this next contract. And United don't do that. There was a question on talk of the devils the athletics podcast where they asked if Walt Weghorst scores the goal, scores a, the winner in the FA cup final, would that be enough for United to bring him to Old Trafford permanently next year? Like score one goal in the FA cup final. And you've already got people thinking maybe they'll hand you a permanent contract off that versus do everything. Nilkai Gundogan did. And they're like, thank you. Good luck wherever you end next year. But with our team where we're going, you don't fit. And that's part that's part of United's issue is they they can't let players walk away. They're always let's extend him. Let's give him an extension. We and there's the belief amongst the fan base of when a player doesn't sign an extension right away, there there will be like he doesn't want to be here. We shouldn't even be playing him. Where City goes, "No, no, he's we we gave him in 2019, we gave him a four-year contract because we saw him being a contributor, a contributor for the next 4 years." And so we plan on playing him up until that final day because that's where we, you know, we want to get the maximum out of this contract. Just because he hasn't signed a new one doesn't mean he shouldn't play. Imagine if he didn't play because they were like, you haven't signed a new contract yet. This is making me think of interim Ollie being appointed manager before the season was over. Yeah. There's that. There's we gave Eric Bay a new contract when we knew Rafael Varon was coming like city look at the here and now what are you doing right this second oh you're still performing okay so we have a game today we will play you today they look at tomorrow what what do we expect from you tomorrow we don't expect you're 32 years old we don't expect you to do what you did two years ago or three years ago so we're not going to pay you that way whereas united are still operating under this belief that everything you've done goes on your resume and having Manchester United player on your resume means something and means, and means people will pay for that because 20 years ago in the beginning of the century, it did mean something on teams 15 years ago and teams would say, Oh, you're not, you're not making it at Manchester United. Fine. That means you could still help us and we'll pay them 10 million to get you uh, because you're a cast off. Whereas now teams go, well, why would we pay for a 28-year-old defender that's on the outskirts at United when we can pay the same price for a 21-year-old who has upside and we can then sell for more money when if he is good enough to go play for Manchester United or for Liverpool. But United haven't gotten their way gotten around to thinking like that. So they're left in this rut of you have you're carrying a lot of dead weight in your team. It becomes hard to build your team. You're spent. You you you're constantly 
paying a lot of money to replace players, which means you can never fill out your squad. Whereas City have even even like and it comes down to the vision, like you bring in Chicky Burgess Bergstrand, however he pronounced his name. I never know because it's Catalan. He he even before Pep came in, he makes all those signs like Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva. They're all in place. All those guys never had to be replaced that City were able to just fill out the edges of their team and then be like, huh, Fernandinho's gonna be on his way out soon. Let's sign Rodri now. Or Jack Grealish. Like we could spend a hundred million on one player who's gonna be a rotation option because we don't have other holes in the squad. And, and Pep doesn't never get that. Pep doesn't look at like a hole in the well, for one, he doesn't really have holes in the team, but he doesn't look at things in the way that United do of like addressing a position as a problem or address like, you know, we need an out and out number nine. Pep is like, what, who can do this job for me? And who, who can I mold in to do this job that this person will be gone from in two years time. And that's why they make so many of those, like, okay, this is only going to cost us 40 to 50 million. Even if this isn't like a pressing need right now, you know, they have the freedom that they're, you know, both financially and, talent-wise, that they can just make that move and it's not going to come back to bite them, even if it doesn't really work out. I mean... Well, they sign Young, so that when it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out, they can move on. Like, you're you're bringing Kevin up... Kevin De Bruyne was not that good the first two years he was at City. No. I mean, to be fair, the last one was, I think, a Pellegrini year, but, like, Bernardo Silva was, like, an instant hit. He came in that year that they made 100 Wait, points, and Bernardo right Silva was, like, amazing. That was the year Kevin De Bruyne broke out too. That was his third season at the club. But um, Ferran Torres was brought in as like a 21-year-old. And very quickly, Pep just went, yeah, you don't really fit the team. So they sold him for a ton of money. And look, Raheem Sterling had a great year last year. Didn't they, didn't they sell him back to his old club too? I think what? so. And no, for a lot of money. He came from, came from Valencia and then he was sold to Barcelona. Okay. Raheem Sterling, maybe it wasn't his best year last year. It wasn't. His best year was a few years prior, but he had a very good year last year. He scored 13 goals in like about 25 league games. And but City were like, you're 27 years old. You started playing when you're when you were 17. So your your shelf life is not that long anymore. Chelsea came calling. They didn't even hesitate. They just went, Yeah, sure, take him. And and feels, part of the reason that it feels kind part of, of the reason empty, that though. Sterling left, part of the reason that Sterling left was because he wanted a new contract, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll give you one, but it's not going to be the same as what you're currently getting because you're currently a main part part of this squad, and in the next five years, you're not going to be." No, it just it feels kind of empty though. Like, like it, it, not, that's the way United used to be. No, but I'm, I don't even mean it like in the oh, we should give him a sentimental contract or something like that. I just mean, like like he said, there's not going to be Ilkay Gundogan songs from Manchester City supporters, whether he stays or not. That's just not how things are there. I mean, that's a knock on their fan base and what, you know. It just feels like a really, like, manufactured culture. That it is. Suddenly, they're the biggest, you know, the most successful team yes, in the world. Yes, yes. And the club is not moving along uh, at the same rate. That's right. I think those are two different. I think those are two different things. Like you're not going to have the songs and everything because yeah, like everything is just manufactured and bought, and, and this is what their fan base is. Um, it would be different at United, but like if United ran themselves the way City run themselves, it would be you. They wouldn't even be able to compete. You because you would have that culture of well, go to you. You can go to City. You can go to United for the same price, same opportunity to win things. One of these places you're going to be beloved and the other place, not so much. But part of that works against United because if Raheem Sterling had been a United player doing what he did at City last year and and Chelsea came and offered you 49 million, United would have been like, no, 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 no. Like, you got to pay 120 million for this. Well, he's 27 years old. He's, you know, they'd be they'd be doing what Tottenham's doing with with Spurs, which is also some backwards thinking. Tottenham should probably yeah. be selling Harry Kane for 50 million and using that money to rebuild. but. United are too afraid to do that. How would, how would Twitter have been a uh, how would Twitter have been in two thousand one where it's like 
we're getting rid of our treble winning strikers and bringing in some air divisie dude like right and then i mean you know and they they managed to sell off beckham when he was like 27 and vanisteroy when he was of a similar age because back then football did work that way if teams looked at your resume and said this whoa you've scored 20 goals in the premier league the last four years we're gonna sign you even though it it was i mean mean, a similar thing of i think pep has this control now as you know just his reputation as a manager as well as his method of control at clubs is that if somebody's not going to do the job for you anymore then they've got to go whether like no matter how good they are or not i think it yes like jao cancelo gone um, you know, Leroy Sané gone when, yeah, when he says, I have a different view, he's able to get rid of players, but he's also able to get rid of players because they bought him so young. His first season, the average age of their signings were 21 was like 21 and a half, all their outfield players. Like those are young players so that when it doesn't work, you can move them on. And United should know this. Like they're they, the only player they've moved on for, a, like Daniel James, didn't turn into anything. They sold him for more money than they than they paid for him. Romo Lukaku, they bought at like twenty four years old. They were able to recoup all their money for Romo Lukaku, and it's a whole other host of issues that they're probably not going to be able to sell Jadon Sancho. But you should be able to sell Jadon Sancho for forty to fifty million, and they probably should. But it's. It's Pep has that kind of control, but also doesn't. Because if it were up to Pep, Ilkay Gundogan would have a new contract right now. And it's the people above Pep who are like, well, sure. But I think it's also a little terms. bit of like, you know, it, it, kind of how it was with Aguero, where like, if Pep really wanted Aguero to stay, Aguero probably would have stayed. But he and the club both knew that like, he had already started phasing Aguero out, even in the 100 point season. I mean, there were times uh, where he was very clearly like okay we need to see how gabriel jesus fits as a center forward or you know we're gonna try out the sort of spain 2012 thing where we just have six attacking midfielders on the pitch like even when sergio aguero was still scoring 20 plus goals a season they were looking at their options yeah and it it's like all the best clubs in the world in in football and in other sports all abide by the, the ones that stay at the top all follow the same mantra of it's better to get rid of a player a year too early than a year too late. So yeah, like Pep might be like, Ilkay has two more years in him. So like, I kind of want him right now, but like, and, and that's why, and even, you know, he made 50 appearances this year. So it's uh, oh, he's going to make 38 appearances next year. And I want him for those 38 appearances. And the club's like, yeah, but fine. We'll, we'll drop a contract that's that states as such. And he's like, and if it, you know, he might know ultimately long term it's it's the better move, but like Colin, you said, he, they that, have the luxury of being like, would you rather have Gundogan for two more years or get Dominic Shabash ally like right now? Exactly, and it's it's just so much better to get rid of that player a year too soon, and and when you do that, that has a that has a run on effect because you get rid of that player, and that player goes somewhere else and performs, and for a year. Everybody will look at you and be like laughing at you because you'll be like, why'd you get rid of that guy? And the next summer when you're like, we're ready to get rid of this guy, teams will be lining up to sign him and it'll take them two years before they go, ah, crap, we got nothing on it. Like at this point, we've said this for years when Real Madrid or or Bayern Munich are ready to get rid of a player, that should be your number one warning sign that you shouldn't take that player. And it works the only way you can get rid of them is if you find a sucker and that sucker just usually happens to be Manchester United for Chelsea. When it came to Eden Hazard, Real Madrid decided to play the suckers role. Um, when you consistently wait until like what, what United essentially are doing with anybody who shows any value that can, if you can help me today, we continue to play you until you have proven you can't help us anymore. And then they go time to sell him. But now they've basically told the world he's useless now. And then they go, why can't we sell anybody? Because the world, the world's figured out like United will will bleed every ounce drive you as opposed to a team where they leave just enough in the tank to make you think we can get a good player here. And oh, maybe it's different this time. Because we haven't made another sports reference. Um, 
how does everything that you just talked about fit in with the Green Bay Packers and the New York Jets? I mean, the, the example is Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He's yeah. just <laughs> Are you saying, for 20 you years. Woody, was Woody Johnson smart to go all in on one year of Aaron Rodgers, or is he a sucker? Uh, I mean, Woody Johnson has proven time and time again that he's a sucker. <laughs> are you are you glad that it's Aaron Rodgers and not Russell Wilson? Yes. Yeah. It's all. I I think NFL is a little bit different too because like it is. There's evidence there's that a salary you can cap go and, and... all in on a 38 to 40 year old quarterback, and it can work okay for two years, despite being a very important team sport. That is the one sport also where like one player can completely change how the rest of everything functions but also you could cut players like you yeah. you you can't do that in in other sports non-guaranteed contracts means we just be like you're done here goodbye whereas you want to you want to cut harry Maguire, you got to pay him everything that he's owed there's also no and... dead cap though in soccer so if someone only has like one or two years left and you really really want to get rid of them no but there is especially now because like, if you want to cut Harry Maguire, you got to pay him the rest of his salary. So that yeah, but that good. that doesn't count against you. Yeah, it does. It it counts as the, his wages stay I, on the books. Yeah, I guess it counts. And that like that's FFP. what they're looking at when they say, "Can you can you spend money on? Like, what can you? How much money can you spend?" It's like, well, we're paying Harry Maguire however much money to go somewhere else because that's also an immediate payment. Like, did you guys see my tweet earlier? About, what, the, uh, about the Harry swap Spurs are somehow like interested in Maguire report. I'm like if, if if there is a deal for Harry Kane that somehow involves Harry Maguire, it doesn't matter if United spend 200 million plus Harry Maguire. Everyone on Twitter is going to act like it's a win and it's going to be unbearable. Um, Swapping Harry's baby. <laughs> that yeah, that does yeah, sound it, dirty. You know what? It's not, it sounded worse saying it than when I. It when sounds I way worse saying it. <laughs> Yeah, swapping Harry's. Yeah, uh. we're dealing in Harry's here. I think that's right. for us for at least a year. <laughs> Just what? the genesis what? of all of our problems. <laughs> what else do we have to talk about? It's the start of the summer. We can't already be out of topics, right? Well, well I don't, I don't there's, know. That there's I, plenty of topics that you want that that are around that there's just no point in commenting on because they're going to be the same topics now that they will be in a month. Like why talk, you know, you can talk Harry Kane to death. We've talked Harry Kane to death all year. It's, it's just how much effort do you want to spend talking about players, analyzing players who may, obviously look, we get a lot of listeners. We get a lot of listeners because that's what fans want. Andy Mitten was the, said it like you could stop playing games uh, Manchester United could stop playing games and only focus on buying and selling players. And there's a portion of the fan base that will that won't even notice. They they <laughs> might even be happier. Um, I choose to focus on. I choose to ignore most of these rumors uh, and just focus on when things actually happen because you'll drive yourself insane. And there's there's just no point in doing that. So, Polly Mason Mount or Declan Rice? Mason Mount. Without question, without fail, probably half the price. Yeah, well, that's the thing about Mason Mount is apparently United are like still. Again, you can't believe anything that's happening. It all comes from agents. It all comes from it all. Fabrizio is running his own brand now, so he needs to stay relevant. He works for himself. Uh, he knows that United posts are going to get him the most engagement, so like he'll put out at least one Twitter tweet a day. That's about United, which with with zero new information, um, he and, makes a lot of podcast appearances. Should we try to get him on? Sure, I mean, but like, I mean, sure, because that'll drive listenership. Yeah, what's he going to tell us though? He'll be like, Scott McTominay is still on Newcastle's list. Uh, Mason Mount, they're still in discussions, etc. The the thing about Mason Mount is, I can understand how he makes us better. Hmm. It's that Chelsea have to sell players by June 30th to balance their books. And, and we in, should in take order advantage to, of that. In order to exist, to basically exist next year and certainly to be able to sign anybody. The irony is that Mason Mount's probably the most Pochettino player in their squad 
but he's also the one that's worth the most money in terms of selling someone in terms of FFP. But if you come anywhere close to Chelsea's valuation for Mason Mount before June 30th, you are helping Chelsea more than you're helping yourself. And they're a direct rival. If you view Mason Mount as a $55 million player, million pound player, you should not offer more than 45 million pounds until July 1st. You could sign him on July 1st. There's no problem with that. You if you're worried about if you're worried about getting him in before uh training before preseason, you you've got time to do that after June 30th. But before June 30th, you should be like, look, Chelsea, we're gonna do you a favor here. We're only we're only taking this player if we get a deal that benefits us. We need to be the ones that come out on top here. Otherwise, you wait until July 1st and then say, fine, now we'll meet your price. But you're screwed now because you're, you're, the balance of your books are off. Yeah. Plus, like, the competitors like, for him are already moving. Like, Liverpool moved on to McAllister. Um, well, he's chosen United. Like, that's the other yeah. thing. Like, he, he, he has chosen, according to reports, which, where do you think these reports are coming from? They're not coming from United. They're not coming from Chelsea it's basically like coming from Mason Mount being like, Oh, come get me. So he's chosen United, which really puts Chelsea up against it. B- Baker Mayfield, uh, texting Stephen Jones energy. <laughs> um, I, I, I think too, with the whole Mason Mount thing, it, it is with the brinkmanship that Polly's alluding to it. It certainly continues to call into question. How, how are things going at the United scouting network that like, if you have a guy valued at something and then all of a sudden you're like, well, we can't afford not to get this player. So we'll just pay the extra premium to get it over the line. It's like, how do you not just have another option, you know, in the tank who maybe you, they don't come in as a finite more finished product. I'm not even going to say Mason Mount's a finished product, but like you have to bring in a raw player, but they're 15, 20 million. They're not 65. Yeah. Well, we're running out of players that have played in the Eredivisie is the issue. Yeah. I know we might have to like look at another country, um, get, get, get a little creative. It is disappointing though, that Sunderland um, didn't get the move up uh, one. Cause I think it would have been cool for a mod, but two, uh, do you think Scott McTominay was still on their uh, transfer list? <laughs> right underneath is his he... on who is now yeah. retired. <laughs> is his name just like on the whiteboard? Yeah, they. I think they they wrote on that whiteboard with Sharpie, so they can't get it off. Yeah. yeah. Remember when they said they wanted to make the Stadium of Light like Ibiza? That was uh, that was one of the funniest <laughs> up in the I've north, seen a... up in the northeast of England where it's cold and stuff. It yeah. is on the coast. United, United have a lot of they got a lot of things to work out. Like I, I, I see the vision of Mason Mount, but after that, it becomes. Okay, this is what you want to do. Do you have like the other players to to like make everything work? And I, and that's that's part of the that's part of why they're in the situation that they're in. That's part of the difference between them and City, and why they're in you know why they're in the situation. Like you 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 can't real you can't like comparing seven years of Guardiola to where United are now. I yeah, everybody will be like it's only his first year, but again, like Pep's first summer they the average age of the player was 21 years 21 and a half years 10 hours for a summer is four years older they were 25 was the average age of player like you're looking at some of the signings that he may need to be replaced in two years and so even if this vision is there like do you do you have the ability to round out the squad or are you just using what you have and they just handed Diego Dallo a new contract they um um which probably means Aaron Juan Basaka is going to get a new contract because it'd be very hard to argue that one deserves a new contract when the other one kind of jumped him in the pecking order this year and has really turned his career around and is back to being a very useful player. And could be bringing... necessary. Right. I mean, look, if someone came and offered us money for Aaron Juan Basaka, you take that money right away. But right now, if you're Juan Basaka, like no champion. Yeah, he's he's under contract for two more years, I think. Right. So next year he'll get a new contract. Um 
no Champions League club is coming for Juan Bissaka this year. So like if somebody else comes and offers him and offers money for him and says, we want to sign you. If you're Juan Bissaka, who has one of the highest senses of self-worth in the team, like, you know, he very much backs himself and really as really confident in his abilities. And you're like, well, wait, like I kind of jumped Diogo Dalo in the pecking order at United. I can fight for my place here and I'm doing a good job fighting for my place here in the Champions League. Why would I go and join a Europa League level or a team competing mid-table for the Europa League? Why would I go do that? Because right now, from where I'm sitting, it looks like I'm going to continue playing for Manchester United, not riding the bench. So that, And then that becomes like, all right, you signed... Mason Mount, you're probably going to shift towards playing in this particular way. Do the other players fit? Like the the way that I spoke to people and they described it as like, yeah, you're probably like you you push. You're going to play like this more four three three, and Bruno and Mount will push up higher into that front five. Like so now you're with and your fullbacks are going to invert and like support Casemiro. So your width's not really coming from overlapping fullbacks now. It's going to be coming from, like, your wingers, which, like, are Rashford and Anthony wide wingers? Is that going to is that going to work? Like, really, you, you kind of want Rashford and Anthony, if Rashford's playing out on the left, to be more down the middle, playing more as forwards, in which case, like, are you, are you moving? Are Bruno and Mount going to be the ones that break out into the wide areas, et cetera? So, like, there's a lot of pieces... Um, that one side, you know, I think every sign that they make right now can ask a bunch of questions that we can't really judge anything until we see what the team looks like. And as we learned last week, when we look back on our predictions for the season, like you can't even look at, you can't even make predictions on the first day of the season. You need to wait until the transfer window slams shut and see what everything's doing and see how they plan to use it. Because there are so many pieces right now that the team has where playing style a benefits some of these guys and playing style B benefits some other guys. And yet all these guys are like the best players in their position. So they're all on the field and you got to try to get the best out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, so just looking at Diogo Delo's contract, it looks like it'll probably put him at around the same wages of what Wambasaka earns because he was earning significantly less. He was still on his contract he signed as a teenager. Um wasn't Wambasaka a teen when he signed or he was twenty. Yeah, but he he was given ninety thousand a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was more of a league thing. proven Well, yeah. yeah. And he was like a, not just Premier League proven, but like a really top prospect. Like yeah. Um he was considered the best it was at the time it was him and Alexander Arnold. Yeah, which like if we can make more signings like Dallow, where it's like kind of a long term investment, I think that would be nice. But I've been saying that since we signed Diogo Dallow. <laughs> yeah, and by the for way, a while when Diogo Dallow stunk, I was like, all right, so he didn't. We can work still out. sell. Fine, him, yeah. sign I mean, more. Was, of it. Like <laughs> Colin, you just did the TLDR of today's podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Romeo Lavia is making come get me uh, leaks to the press. Apparently, he is available if Southampton get like forty million for him. Yeah, go sign that guy. Also, I just realized, like, um, I've learned today he came, he signed with Southampton last season from City for ten million. Mm-hmm. It's like this is why, this is why City players <laughs> from their academy with nothing beyond them, with nothing to their name, can fetch ten million pounds, whereas Anthony Alonga can probably only fetch ten million pounds because look at United's Academy and like, look who's left United and done anything. No right. one. But like city have enough guys where it's like, we're like, yeah, you're like, you look in that Academy and you go, I'll pay 10 million because that guy could turn into Jaden Sancho or that guy could fetch me 40 million or 30 million. Like there's enough of a track record there where you're like, yeah, maybe he stinks, but they've, they've been churning out some diamonds. Maybe we get one. Yeah. Not to like speak ill of him because we were obviously excited about him at the time and thought even if he left, he would become a decent player. I haven't heard anything about Jimmy Garner this season. 
He was and hurt it's for a long time, but ah, that might he was, be why. And he was hurt for a while. Um, he's I think he started like their last few games, but like yeah, that like Jimmy Gardner was not going to be the answer in our in midfield. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for us today. Um, if any big news breaks, we may try to you know get at it later in the week but i think uh we'll probably or we'll just save it for next next week week. yeah yeah i mean guys what's the rush there's it's a month until the u.s tour it's a month until the transfer window opens only a month until the u.s tour jesus can we get a break can we can we give these guys a rest only a month and a half until the fergie fledglings podcast live from metlife stadium yeah are you going to go to the game, Polly, or are you still going to stick to just hanging out at the tailgate? Oh, well, my ticket was way cheaper, so I, I'm like, because you guys are coming, I'll probably go to the game. <laughs> Hell yeah. We got to talk to we gotta talk to Brent. We got to find out where Brent's sitting. I saw him yeah. on Sunday. Okay. We'll, we'll figure something out. We'll do a, a good old reunion. All right. I, I'm pitching this trip to my bosses as this is also like a networking thing for me. <laughs> I was going to try and apply for like press credentials, but I don't. I don't even know where to start with that, and I'm sure some of them have already been handed out. Um. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like an ICC thing, so you'd probably have to reach out to the clubs. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I've heard that United have been absolutely dreadful to deal with. You might just have to like apply. You might just have to reach out to like MetLife Stadium. Okay. Yeah. Let's reach out to Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. I'll say I'm from the short views. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm here to tweet about the refs. Yeah. All right. That, that's all for us today. Uh, Nathan, what you got for me for a sign off? Um, I'm really excited to go have Korean barbecue tonight. All you can eat. It's my birthday. Happy birthday, Nathan. I can't believe Thank we you. got this far without saying that. <laughs> well, I mean, turning 32 is not as special as like, Polly having a child so 32 is pretty boring so far that is true also yeah. like at 32 Manchester City were like Ilkay Gundogan goodbye I know but well that's how my body feels after going to a wedding yesterday so yeah the difference is we work in industries where like you actually get better with age I think I'm going to end it on the Ilkay Gundogan thing <laughs>